Wow. Good morning. My name is Cheryl Trzinski, and today's scripture reading is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The scripture are as relevant today as they have been in the past. Thank you, Cheryl. You guys doing all right? Good. Man, note to self, have your daughter be baptized after you've given the message already. Tell you what, man, awesome. Well, I'm glad to be with you all this morning. Um, We are going to take communion here in a little bit. Today will look a little bit different. Uh, There will be a, a shorter message and a larger response time here today. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 12 and John chapter 15. Uh, So on Mondays, I teach a parenting class at Recovery Soldiers, one of our ministry partners. And one of the things that we talk about, and it's really the predominant theme, is that it really doesn't matter what you accomplish in life. If you don't leave behind something for the next generation, what have you really done? Right? So it's this idea that, that we do want to become followers of Christ... But we want to center our, our lives and our goals around leaving behind a generation of Christ followers as well. And so we can't control that. Um, it is the Holy Spirit working in our kids' lives, in the people we care about's lives. But we can center our lives around asking God and positioning ourselves so that God can do these things. And so uh, we're going to look through two teachings today of Jesus And at the end of our time, we're going to sort of connect how this relates to communion as well. So the first one is, very simply, to let go of our lives. Let go of our lives, as if you can't see it anymore. Colossians 3 says, our lives are now hidden with Christ. And Jesus in John chapter 12 says it like this. He says, very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. See, the great irony in the kingdom of God is that um, when you give up your life, that's when you, in fact, do find life. And this is a one-time thing in terms of entering into a new life. But it is a recurring thing for us as to continue to embrace our new life, to continue to give aspects of our life over to God. Perhaps the single most important way that we can be countercultural as the church is to let go of the self. In a culture that is so focused on the self and achieving what you want and making what you want be known, Jesus says what? He says, let go of the self. And when that happens, then many more seeds will come about of that, right? Let the self die. Let our desires and our passions die. 
And then we will see life far beyond ourselves. Man, imagine a world where we all did that. I mean, imagine how fewer affairs there would be. How fewer murder and theft and all these things. If our focus was to say, you know what? I don't need to get my way. It doesn't surprise me when I don't get my way. And I am perfectly content when things don't go my way. Imagine how much more love and goodness there would be in the culture if that was our mentality. See, the world would say, go and get what you want. But Jesus says this in Galatians 5, 24. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When we let that kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, that's when life beyond itself is produced. Y'all, we could stay that single seed. We could be the best seed of all the seeds. We could dominate all the other seeds. But at the end of the day, if we don't let that kernel of wheat die, it will not produce life beyond itself. What does it look like for us today? Are there aspects of our lives that we need to let fall to the ground and die and be hidden with Christ so that there can be new life from that? Uh, There's a guy, I forget his name, but I saw it on a YouTube video this week, and uh, he's about 45, he's a pilot, and he was flying his plane one day, and he noticed, he said, he he put it on autopilot, and he noticed that even though there was turbulence and all these things, he noticed that the autopilot actually flew the plane better than he did. So uh, So he decided to take that idea and translate it over his whole life. So he would look at the data and, and say, what does the data say I should eat? What does the data say that I should uh, do in terms of exercise? What does the data say I should do this afternoon and all that? And he makes no decisions for himself, which I find really interesting. But what if for us as Christians, we took that mentality? If we let the self die so much that we just said, what does Christ want us to do? What does Christ want me to do in this moment? How can I bury my life and be hidden with Christ and let roots grow and life grow far beyond the self? So that's the first one, to let go of our lives. Uh, Now let's go over to John 15 for the second part. This is what Cheryl read for us. I'll read from the NIV just to give another version. Cheryl, I like the NKJV. It's okay, you know, it's not bad, but... I'm going to read from the NIV this time. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the first point was let go of our lives. The second point is hold on to Christ. So we let go of our lives and then we hold on to Christ. Christ says apart from him we can do nothing. And y'all, this to me is very encouraging actually. This is one of the most encouraging things that I've heard. Because you look at people like uh, the Samaritan woman. Who says, Jesus, what do I got to do? Like, do I need to worship on this mountain? Do I need to go do these things? And so many times through the New Testament, it is, what do I need to do, God, to get in good with you? What does that look like? And I think for us, a lot of times, too, we think that, right? What does it look like for me to get in good with you, God? 
Well, Jesus lays out right here to just stay with him. Stay with him. We talked about uh, Galatians chapter 5 a couple weeks ago, how we talked about staying in step with the Spirit. It's the same concept here, right? Like staying close to the vine each day, walking alongside what Jesus is doing. That's so important for us. Now, in order to remain on the vine or to stay in step with the Spirit, there is going to be a process of pruning. Jesus tells us there will be a process of pruning. Just as branches must be cut back in order to produce more fruit, so we must be pruned in order to produce good fruit in our lives. And with that, we've got to remember that God prunes those that he intends to multiply. God prunes those that he intends to multiply. Spiritual life will increase with pruning. Pruning is setting us up for seasons to come with much fruit to come from that. And y'all, I don't like pruning in the moment. I don't think anybody likes pruning in the moment. But then you see over time that God is producing something out of that. And so when I went into the ministry in uh, 2016, I did not like the pruning that happened because of my panic disorder. That was painful, man. That was the worst, hardest season of my life. But from that, man, I've learned to put my confidence in him that he is greater than anything. And so now it's not just a theory in my life. I can actually say confidently God is greater. And so if you come in with addiction, if you come in with sin habits, if you come in with different things, God is greater. And sometimes you might have to be pruned in order to fully, more fully embrace that concept here this morning. And now the important thing is, when pruning happens, we've got to stay on the vine. We've got to stay on the vine. Because it can hurt when we're pruned. And when it hurts, sometimes we'll go look to other things, won't we? And so maybe you've gone through a divorce and you say, man, this hurts. And so you start to look in other areas, and then before you know it, there's no fruit that's being developed in your life. Or maybe somebody has made you angry, and you've decided you're not going to forgive that person, and you're not able to bear the fruit of good relationships in your lives. All these things, right, that we've got to stay close to Jesus in these moments. And God can use any situation to prune and develop us to produce good fruit. I think sometimes... When he does prune us, we think it's a setback instead of a setup. That God can use those things. Now, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily for that purpose. Sometimes there's just painful things, but God can still use those situations to produce good fruit as well. So the question is whether or not we will remain close to him in those moments. Will we wander off away from the vine? Or will we stay close in the process of the pruning? Because undoubtedly, if we want to produce good fruit, there will be pruning that has to happen. Now, not just in the bad times, but in the good too, right? We've got to stay close to the vine. I know, I don't know about you, for you, but for me, sometimes when things are going really well, I think, uh, you know, I may just wander away from the vine because think, I got this, right? You ever get that mentality that, Things are going good. Maybe I don't need to stay close to him. But no, in every situation, in every situation, we remain in him. We stay close to the vine. So, we hide our lives with Christ. We let go of our lives 
Just like that kernel of wheat falls to the ground in order to produce more life, and then we remain in him to continue to produce fruit in our lives. The wheat and the fruit of the vine, they give us the primary elements for communion, which are bread and juice. In order for bread to be made, though, the, the wheat has to be crushed. It has to be crushed up in order to make bread. And this is what Christ did for us. His body was broken for us. Now, not a bone was broken, but he was crushed. He was um, put through great pain on our behalf. In John 6, he tells us that he is the bread of life and that you must partake of him in order to have life. So the idea being that we must take him in. That if we want to have life, we take him in. That doesn't mean that we have to consume the physical bread to have life. It means that we must consume him in order to have life. He is the bread that never spoils. He is the bread that willingly breaks on our behalf. And we've got to take him in. That's why we take communion. And when we do that, we remember that his body was crushed. Just like that wheat has to be crushed to make bread. His body was crushed for us. Jesus asked that when we take of the bread, we remember that his body was crushed for us. Just like the wheat is crushed to make bread. And then he tells us to drink from the cup. Just as the skin of the grape must be pierced and pressed out, Christ's flesh was pierced and his blood was poured out for us. And I think sometimes we miss the significance of this. The wine press in the Old Testament was a symbol of God's wrath. And so for Jesus to go through the wine press, to have his blood poured out for us, this is so significant. The fact that he took the punishment that we deserved, that it should have been our blood poured out. It should have been the branches that went through the wine press. Instead of the branches, it was the vine that went through the wine press. And y'all, I can't overstate the significance of this moment. The check has cleared, the debt has been paid, and Jesus is saying, I want you to remember what I've done so that you don't go and continue trying to earn your way. It has been freely given. Yes, it was your punishment, but I took it. And so we take communion so that we remember that we don't have to try to earn anything. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus once and for all is enough. It's enough. It sustains us today and for all time. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I think one of the biggest temptations of the enemy is to make you think that you have to earn something from God. That you have to get his approval, but his sacrifice is enough. He was the one who was crushed and he was pressed on our behalf. He was crushed and he was pressed on our behalf. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. But instead, he died for everything. The price was paid in full on the cross, and there's nothing left for us to add. All we do now is we let the self die, just like that kernel of wheat. 
We let the self die so that new life can be made out of that and we remain on the vine. He is the one who was crushed and pressed. He is the one who has made a way. And now these two things remain in our life. That we let that kernel of wheat fall daily and we remain in the vine. Paul tells us, before we take communion, Paul tells us to examine our hearts. Uh, We should never take communion without a seriousness, without a reverence towards communion. And so this morning as we prepare to take communion, I'd love for us to analyze those two things. Are there areas of our lives that we know that we are not giving to Him? Are there areas of our lives that we need to give up? Or are there areas of our lives that we have wandered off away from Him? Y'all, I would not take communion until we've evaluated those things. I think that's really important for us to do. And then we'll take communion together. We're going to do it this way this morning. There's going to be a couple leaders here at the front and a couple in the back. And... Um, if you just need to pray with somebody over those two things or anything in general at all, uh, you can go pray with one of those leaders. You can also come to the altar to pray as well. We've got two songs on the back end during this first song. If you will grab the elements and take them back to your seat after the first song, we will take communion together. And then we'll have another response time thereafter. Um, I want to read from Isaiah 53 before we do that. It says this, it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not even open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and, the rich in his de- and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Y'all, this prophecy has been fulfilled by the blood of Jesus. And I don't know how you come in this morning, but I do know this. The punishment has been paid in full. I don't know if you're trying to earn things. I I get this sense like in, you know, the Christian culture at times that that maybe there is this move to try to earn things. But, y'all, it has been freely given. And so for us now, what do we do? We, We embrace John chapter 12, that we let go of our lives, 
And we hide it with Christ. Because in doing so, what we realize is going to happen is that there's going to be so much more life that comes from that. And we stay with Him our whole lives. That as that vine starts to come out of the ground and those branches form, we continue to just stay right there with Him. And I don't know where you are in your faith. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Or maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, but those two things really remain. That we let that go, and we hide our life with Christ, and we remain on the vine. And watch what God will do with that. New life, good fruit will form if we'll just humbly do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, and we just remember that that you have given the ultimate sacrifice. And so this morning, Father, I pray that you'll prepare our hearts to take communion. Father, I pray that you will uh, guide our hearts from this place, that yes, we will remember, and also that this will actually take root in our lives and so that you will grow more life from this morning. Father, you've been so good to us. I mean, you've been so, so good to us. And that's just who you are. And so we lift up your name because it is a great name. Powerful name. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.